Oh, I didn't see you there. Why, hello. You must be here for the story. Yes, the story. Clearly, you're not here for me as I am but the lowly narrator. But you are just in time. We were just about to get started. Come, come. We have a lot of ground to cover. Now, usually in a story like this, we tell tales of handsome princes, beautiful princesses, fierce warriors, and grandiose dreams of infamy. However, this story, well, it's a little bit different. In the beginning, at least. This tale follows the journey of some rather unlikely, unassuming characters who have... Oh, well, yes, they've already found themselves in a bit of a pickle. In fact, they don't even know that becoming a hero is not only a possibility, but a necessity. Through triumph, tragedy, and a few too many sexual innuendos for my liking, our group of unusual protagonists must find the heroic bravery within themselves. Or die trying. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself. There is nothing more exciting and uplifting than the beginning of a story, so of course we shall start here with... Chapter 1. Dead and Alive. So grab a snack and pull up a seat as we see what they do and watch this fascinating story unfold together on... Behold, the roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Behold the Roll. I'm Jesse. I'm going to be your dungeon master for this incredible journey. And before we get started, not to knock things off the rails too quickly here, but guys, after literal years of talking about doing a podcast, of doing so much writing, doing so many different sessions, all the research, then getting all this equipment and getting it set up, we are finally, finally doing this thing, and I could not be more fucking amped i don't know about you guys hell yeah yes yes here we go as i said my name's jesse door i'm gonna be your dungeon master for this um and i obviously could not do this on my own i am joined by my incredibly smart incredibly talented friends and they will be helping me along the way for this incredible journey and truly making my life a living hell for the duration of it more than likely but why don't we go ahead and introduce you guys uh first foremost jimmy gledhill Hey guys, I'm Jim Gledhill. I am playing Silas Leodore, half-elf sorcerer. Uh, am I going into my like description background right now? Yeah, let them okay. know a little bit. We did do an episode um, zero, so if you guys haven't listened to that, you should probably go listen to that now. There's all kinds of fun little tidbits about the characters and some pretty important information. Uh, but yeah, for people that are just tuning in, go ahead and let them know a little bit about Silas. Okay, so I play Silas. Um, he is a young adult who lives in the woods with his parents. As um, we all do. Yeah, pretty common thing. Um, he moved to the woods because when he was younger, specifically uh, four years ago, he was shopping around um, the town and mysteriously killed a shopkeeper. He doesn't know how he did it. But him and his family ran into the woods. They live kind of off the grid now. And recently, uh, Silas's parents have gone missing. Sweet. So every boy's journey. Yeah. You know, every boy's journey into adulthood. Yeah. 
everyone mysteriously kills a shopkeeper and then their parents disappear. Yeah, it's pretty typical. Normal story. All right. And next up we got, of course, Zach Ledford. Yeah, so I'm Zach Ledford, and I play Lork in Bright Strike. I am on Gnome Cleric, and I was born in... Oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> Evermore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I always wanted to be a wizard, but I had issues casting magic, so I moved to Whitehaven, and now I am a professor, and I decided to become a cleric to help me cast... And, uh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Hot. Hot, hot description. (laughs) And last but not least, we have Joe Pinkham. Hey, my name is Joe. I play a character named Wolf Donfire. I am a fighter cleric. And just a bit about my character. He, uh, he comes from a monastery because he was found in the woods so he grew up there but recently he left see everybody's everybody's in the woods (laughs) everybody is in the woods uh recently i left the monastery and tried to find my own way and uh kind of wandering about trying to find my way and my path in life hell yeah and do you want to give a like super quick i know we talked about it in the session zero but do you want to give a quick uh intro to the monastery yeah, you don't have to go so, deep in just so people know a little bit about like uh, Wolf's beliefs and whatnot. Yeah. So just as quick as it can be, but the uh, he grew up at a place called the Taisu Monastery. Uh, it's a monastery that worships both the sun and the moon and the aspects of both. So you could find students and teachers of all vocations there. Um, it was a monastery that kind of taught the ways of life as much as they could. Um, a lot of different beliefs there, but he, uh, he chose the path of the sun because that's for him. He also likes forging. So that kind of lined up with him. Beautiful. All right. Now that we know a little bit more about our characters, uh, again, if you didn't listen to session zero, I highly recommend it. But for those of you that didn't, let's let you in on the world that we're going to be playing in. Um, and I will give a brief little foreshadowing here at the beginning. Um, I am homebrewing the majority of this world. I am taking the little tidbits of Dungeons and Dragons lore and geography that I like and that I find interesting, but I am trying to sprinkle that throughout my world. But if you hear me say something incorrectly, or if I start talking about something that doesn't necessarily line up in all of the D&D lore, just know this is a completely different world and I take complete creative freedom over whatever I put in it also known as I am going to fuck it up all the time. So please don't get on my case about it. Uh, That's more for my players than it is for the audience, but I figure it's nice for both of you to hear. I'm writing everything down as canon. (laughs) I appreciate Uh, it. (laughs) So yeah, without further ado, let's let you all in on the wonderful world known as Omersia. This campaign takes place in the beautiful yet largely unexplored world known as Omersia. There's four main towns that mostly everybody resides in, as well as a couple other small villages and areas that have been documented by adventurers, but for the most part, people tend to stay within the confines of the square, which is what they call the area encompassing those four main towns. Outside of the square is considered more dangerous, with places like Hogsfeet and the Icelands being adversaries to the rest of Omersia, 
and places like the summit and the haunted forest being barely inhabited due to its difficult terrain. There are other smaller towns that get along with the square such as Rockport and the Takari Highlands, however there's never much need to venture far outside the square because almost everything you could want or need to live a modest, comfortable life is more than likely findable in at least one of the four towns. Wakefield is known for its military training, mining, and weapon crafting. Evermore is known for its advanced society, schools of magic, and is home to the most wealthy in the land. Ashbourne is the home of history, religion, fishing, and hunting. And Whitehaven is primarily known for its farming trade-wise, but is also the home of travelers, dreamers, and the adventurers. Whitehaven is the smallest and newest town, but it's already considered to be a vacation destination due to its rolling hills, beautiful scenery, and impeccable weather conditions most year-round. Omersia as a whole is incredibly beautiful and thriving, which makes it a true shame we can't just jump right in there and start exploring. For those of you that listen to the prologue, you're in the know, but there's something strange that happened to our colorful cast of characters. And that's that you're all dead, guys. I can't remember if I told you or not, but you're all dead. Sweet. Mm. This might be the quickest that any D&D podcast has had a total party kill. Yeah, I mean, we knew we weren't going to make it more than one episode, so, <laughs> so we had I mean, to really ride out our popularity. Thanks for listening, canceled. guys. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> but yes, our characters are all dead. And before we find out where exactly they are, Let's find out how they got there. So guys, get fucking hyped because it's time for the first roll of the Behold the Roll podcast as we roll to see who gets to talk about how they died first. Isn't that exciting? Woo! Yeah, let's let's go, Joe. My favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Do we well, add anything to this roll? No. Oh, man. I got a nine. And I got a seven. We got Stylus with a nine. We got Wolf with a seven. And what did Lorcan get? Twelve. Twelve. Ooh, so we are starting off with the one, the only, Lorcan Brightstrike. All right. Let's do this. First, we head to the northeast of Omersia that lies the stunning town of Whitehaven. Beautiful multicolored leaves float effortlessly across fields and lakes as the sounds of birds chirping fill the air. The sun is slowly fading behind Mount Goliath as it gets darker and darker in the cozy town. We cut to a small blue house with tasteful white trim and a bright red door, and inside we see a tiny, slightly heavy-set gnome pacing back and forth. Walking around in his room, we see Lorcan Brightstrike, the proud gnome and Larkin, you found out something literally life-changing mere hours ago, didn't you? I sure did. I found this magical book that finally, finally gets me to cast spells. Check this out. I cast Mage Hand. <laughs> <laughs> so you cast Mage Hand? What are you doing with Mage Hand in your room? I am uh, moving around this candle. Okay, so... You go to cast Mage Hand like you have many, many times before tried, and it's just fizzled out. And immediately, a like, well, what does your Mage Hand look like? Usually it's like a translucent blue hand, but uh, within reason, it can look like whatever you want it to be. Honestly, I kind of like the blue hand for uh, for this character. 
Okay. So yeah, it's like a shimmering translucent blue hand and it comes out. And as you like stretch your hand out and make the grabbing motion, it grabs the candle and it picks it up effortlessly and it like waves it around your, your little room. Excellent. So now, now I want to cast light. <laughs> oh, you're still going? <laughs> oh, I'm still going. I'm still going to cast all these spells. He's excited okay. about these spells. <laughs> well, I was going to say, tell the, let the audience know why this is so exciting for Lorcan. This is such a big deal to me because I have never been able to cast spells before. And my whole family are wizards. I, I just want to make them proud. That's fair. That's a fair thing to want. So yeah, you um you blow out this candle and it gets really dark in your room, but only for a moment because instead of a flame as you cast light, a magical radiant glow erupts from this candle and you can see even better than you could when it was lit just as a candle. Well, isn't this excellent? <laughs> cool. I also have one question. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you like 800 years old? I'm not 800. He's 100. Um, yeah, I'm around 100. Which is young for a gnome. Oh, okay. Never mind then. You continue. I was going to ask, you said you want to make your parents proud, but like, aren't, don't you, aren't you like balding and with like a giant white beard? Like, <laughs> I, ha- listen, they, I, ha- I have a big white beard, but I am not on death's door. Well, I guess <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, gnomes of Omersia, they hit their like uh, maturity later in life. So he is balding with gray hair and stuff, but he's still fairly young for a gnome. Yeah, so mentally he's like at his peak, but physically he's he's down at the downslope. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Listen, I do Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as you pace back and forth, you're very excited about finding this book. Very excited to be casting your first spells. And um, you've told me that Lorcan has decided to immediately pack up and head back to Evermore to see his parents. Yes. And is that just so that he can uh, show off his magic or does he have like a purpose? Because he owns this house like he's paying a mortgage. Like, <laughs> Well, Ooh. he wants to go back and show his family he can cast, but he also wants to go on on a search for his sister who is lost. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody briefly? I think you talked about it in session zero, but do you want to tell everybody briefly about his sister? Because I know his sister's a pretty big, uh, important like catalyst in his life for like, obviously the rest of his family are wizards that can cast spell, but I know his sister's someone that he particularly looks up to. Yeah. So um, his father was a, a famous adventurer. So her his uh, sister kind of followed in his footsteps and went out to become an adventurer as well. But she hasn't been heard from since. It's been many years and no one's heard from her. Hell yeah. All right. So you get your stuff packed up pretty quickly. And obviously you can always come back and like get the rest of it. So you just pack up the essentials. You take your book. Is there anything else specific that you want to make sure that you pack? I just want to make sure I have my staff and my wand. And I also want to carve the the symbol of Azuth, the... Uh, deity this book is about uh right yes, onto the Azuth wand is in as far as um i could find on google azuth is one of the D pantheons for like the god of the wizards um and that's the book that you found correct 
Yep, and I'll be using my wand kind of as a holy symbol so that my family thinks that I'm a wizard. Hell yeah, I love it. I love it. So you get packed up, you're hype, you're right up and giddy, um, and you head out. It's dark, but you've you've traveled around Whitehaven enough. You've lived there for a couple of years now. Um, and you start heading out. It takes about like almost a full day, and I'm sure... Uh, since you didn't get any sleep, you're going to have to like stop and rest at a couple of inns and whatnot. But we'll say by the end of the next day, you make it out of Whitehaven. You're on the outskirts and you're by the byway, which is a giant stream that basically comes down from Mount Goliath in the Icelands. Uh, and it bisects Whitehaven from the rest of the world of Omersia. So there's three bridges that connect Whitehaven to the rest of Omersia that go over the byway. Um, but it's very nice. It's a very nice time of year in Whitehaven. So you find a nice little spot to set up and camp and whatnot. Um, I'm assuming you make a fire. Do you have any fire spells? Uh, just firebolt. <laughs> okay. So I'm assuming you probably put a bunch of sticks together and maybe firebolt it to get the fire. Oh, going I for the blast night. those sticks. <laughs> <laughs> fireball. So you, you set up a nice little nice little um nice little camp and you lay down in your sleeping bag and you go to sleep for the night pretty cool right yeah nice and restful yeah what's not nice and restful is you wake up the next morning and uh you're a little bit less comfortable than you were and you can't figure out immediately why until you realize that you were using your pack as almost a makeshift pillow um, and now your head is lying on the cold, hard dirt as your pack is nowhere to be seen with your Book of Azuth or your staff. Oh my god. Oh my god, where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? I'd like to do a yeah. an investigation check. Please do. <laughs> First roll. That one. That one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yes. So you go to you go to get up and you cannot think of anything like your eyes just turn red and you are just in complete and utter shock and fear like you just had this thing that was life changing that gave you everything that you've wanted and now it is gone. There is no signs of anything. You don't see any footprints. All you have is the byway next to you and that that's it. <laughs> Oh my god, what do I do? What do I do? I start looking in my sleeping bag. I start throwing it around. Yeah, that's all you have left on you is your sleeping sack. Come on, the book's gotta be in here. I actually like get in the sleeping bag really <laughs> digging for it. Yeah, shockingly, the book is not in there. Is this a sleeping bag that is uh, full human size or is it like built for you? Oh, human Good question. For sure. Oh, that is great. Nice. <laughs> I yeah. love the mental so, yeah, image. You, with, without your without your pack, you have a hard time. Like, do you keep this sleeping bag? Like, you're gonna have to like really heft this thing along with you. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like roll it up and like really try to shove it under my arm, and it's not working well. It's starting to drag on the ground, and I just start running in every direction <laughs> looking for my pack. So you run in every direction and you can't find anything with that investigation check. Like it might as well have just disappeared. 
So your options are you can either go back into Whitehaven, you can go into town, or you can follow the byway. Give me a um, history check. All right. That's much better. 23. 23, perfect. You do know with a 23 that the byway will actually lead you down towards um, like the beachish area. And that is where um, some like shadier folk live because it's on the outskirts of Ashbourne. Um, so you do know that like thieves especially are known to like hang out around that area. So that would be your best like guess with having as bad of a investigation check as you did. For sure. I definitely want to head that way then. Okay. So you follow the byway and you follow this thing for probably a good couple of hours because this thing is long. Like this stretches the entirety of Omersia. At this point, I'm literally just dragging my sleeping bag on the ground. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure (laughs) Lorcan is in mental shambles at this point. You know what? I chuck the thing in the water. God, this thing's too damn big. And I chuck it in the water. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So you chuck it in the water, and then about half an hour later, uh, not even half an hour, 20 minutes, just to add insult to injury that you could have kept the sleeping bag. Um, You're following the byway, and your eye actually catches some bright red, which is the color of your pack. And you look down towards the water and unfortunately for you because the way uh, Omerja is set up on the eastern side is it starts going almost like mountainy so the byway drops further and further and further into this little ravine and you're probably a good hundred feet down from where or up from where the water is at this point but about probably 30 feet down in a mess of like trees and stuff that have grown up on the side you see your pack snagged on one of those trees and you can see the way that the pack is hanging right now you can see that the book of Azuth is actually hanging out in like dangerously close to falling down the extra like 70 feet into the water I throw caution to the wind and I for sure start climbing down that that cliff so you start climbing down the cliff and you actually do an okay job you're not the most athletic of gnomes but you get within inches of your bag as a matter of fact you are able to push your book further into your bag and get your fingers on it however as you do the rock that you're on gives way And from there, you feel yourself falling and falling and falling. And the last thing you remember is feeling water on the majority of your body and a very painful sensation on the top part of your body. And Lorcan Brightstrike has died. Is it too late to cast Spare the Dying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So from the death of Lorcan Brightstrike, we fly west across the entire of the map. We fly 
through the woods of Whitehaven, over the byway, over Wakefield. So we find ourselves in the woods outside of Evermore. And as the wind whips around some dead brown leaves and it covers the cold forest floor, we slowly fade in on a quaint little wood cabin. Outside, we see a massive oak tree and the wind whips around a makeshift rope swing that looks like it hasn't gotten much action lately. And on the back side of the cabin, we see a far stretching garden with tons of vegetables and just different kinds of food. And they are thriving right now. Even with the cold weather, you can tell that there's a lot of love and care put into these, the tending of this garden. We cut inside and we cut into the bedroom of a half, half elf boy with long blonde hair that is pulled into a immaculate ponytail. And Jimmy is beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Silas Leodore's room? Uh, Silas Leodore's room is very small. You know, we live in a small little cabin, so, you know, we, we don't need much. Um, we spend time with each other. Um, the, my room is more of just a sleeping area. That's fair. And it, it is because you have such a close-knit family that Silas is very upset right now. And he is lying in his bed. And um, he has not been having a good night, has he? Uh, no, I, I was having a good night. We were playing playing cards, you know, having fun. And then... Ooh, yeah. What were you we playing? Had... Put you on the spot. Uh, poker. Poker? Po- yeah, but what's poker. fantasy poker? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> You're the DM. You tell me. Fantasy poker it is. Fantasy poker. <laughs> All right. So you're playing fantasy poker and what happened? Um, My mom, Faith, uh, dropped some news on my dad and I. Um, and my dad uh, didn't take it very well. He kind of stormed off, didn't say much. And I guess I kind of did the same thing. I stormed off and went to my room and slammed my door. Yeah. So it's been it's been a good 10 or 15 minutes. Um everybody's kind of given everybody some space but after again after about 10 or 15 minutes you hear a very soft knock on your door yeah uh the door slowly swings open and your mother's standing there faith leodore she is a thin woman with a very narrow pointy chin um she's got long black messy and tangled hair and she's dressed very casually um your family does come from wealth but you've been out in the woods for about four years now so you're starting to the well's starting to run dry and both of your parents at this point and yourself uh but mostly your parents have started to live life a little bit uh with less accommodations um so she has clearly not been taking care of herself as much as she used to but is still beautiful, um, but has clearly also been upset, but is now putting on a brave face for you. And she stands in your doorway for a minute and um, just kind of sheepishly gives you a little sigh. Do you want to, uh, do you want to come back to the table and finish the game? No, mom, I I, I really don't right now. Um, I turn my head 
and uh, kind of wipe, try to just like wipe my eyes, wipe a tear from my eyes um, before my mom notices um, as I turn back around to her. I don't want to play poker at all right now, mom. <laughs> I don't know what poker is, dear. We only have fantasy poker in Omersha. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing great in fantasy poker too. I was winning and then you just, did you just, why did you have to drop the news right now? You couldn't have waited till after the game. <laughs> that's his biggest concern is just that he lost <laughs> fantasy poker uh your your mom sighs and she steps into the room and um kind of like sits at the edge of your bed as she's done on many occasions and she puts a hand on your shoulder and just silas look you know things have been crazy the past couple of years uh, since since evermore and your father and I have been doing our absolute best to take care of you and take care of ourselves and keep everybody safe and not not that anybody here is dangerous but we we just need to keep all three of us safe and we have been doing our best going into town and whatnot and selling the vegetables and trading with the locals but we are starting to feel the effects of being out of town for so long and your father and I have talked and we've talked about what we're going to do to rectify this situation and unfortunately I haven't been able to get him to commit to anything because he thinks that things are just going to continue to be fine because everything's just been fine up until now. And I, I just need you both to know that things aren't completely fine all the time. And she starts to get a little bit like choked up because you can tell she's trying to be the uh, strong one for mm -hmm. everybody. But she shakes it off like real quick and takes a deep breath. And she goes, but while things may not be fine, we will make it. We've always made it. And your father and I, we had some struggles in the beginning as it was to even have you. You know, it's the the likeliness of half-elves there. It, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but we we really wanted to have a family and now I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. And I just need you to know that despite what you found out tonight, that's not going to stop me. The Leodore family is way stronger than that. And I'm going to make this right. Your father's going to be back. You know, every time he loses at fantasy poker, he storms out. So he was already upset as it was. But he, he always comes back, he'll be back, and we're gonna we're gonna make this okay. It might not be fine, but we'll make it okay. Um You should have told him. You should have told him sooner. You should have told us sooner. This isn't something that you can just hide from us. Uh she just kinda nods and um looks away from the bed and just goes I know, honey. I know. 
And then she pulls your blanket up, gives you a small kiss on the forehead, um, and goes to the door to walk out. And before she does, she stops and turns around and just quietly under her breath goes, I love you, Sai. Silas, uh, or I, um, I, I actually don't say anything. Um, I just kind of turn over and pretend to be asleep. <laughs> Brutal. Mm-hmm. So your mom nods knowingly and quietly shuts your door. And I would imagine it takes you a while to get to sleep that night. Yeah, I think um, my dreams are in full effect. Um, I am reliving that moment of killing the shopkeeper in my head over and over again. Um, it's really kind of, I'd say, giving me on and off sleep, you know, waking up every couple of hours. So, yeah, not only do you have some um, disturbing dreams, but at the precipice of one of these disturbing dreams, you hear a very familiar voice because it's a voice that you've been hearing in your head for the last four years or so since the shopkeeper incident. And all you hear is, wake up. And as your eyes flash open, your hand is clutching the necklace that you always keep with you. And it's the necklace of that shopkeep. Um, and your hands are sweaty. But once you feel this necklace, you know that as it always is, it was just a dream. And you have finally woken up again. Um, is it morning time or is it still? It is morning time. Um, it's actually a little bit later than you usually sleep mm -hmm. and it is unusually cold in the house um usually either um faith or your father robert has gotten up by now and has put the logs on the stove and has started the fire mm -hmm. but very very rarely mostly if they're like sick or something like that you'll have to get up and do it if it's like excessively cold in the cabin yeah, uh, well, they must have uh, probably stayed up late last night talking about everything. I, I guess I'll start a f start the fire and cook breakfast for them. Okay, so you get up and you open your door and um, give me a perception check. Four. Four. So, <laughs> so even with a four, you're going to get some bare minimums here. You see a very unusual sight and this is something that uh, even with a four is the only thing that you're going to see but <laughs> it's something even with a four you do see and that is that the cards from your game last night are still strewn around the table and like the drink glasses haven't been cleared um, which is extremely unusual especially for your father because he's actually the clean freak around the house so he will basically never his motto is to always leave a house as if somebody else is going to come into it the next day and you know that no matter how angry he was when he came home that he would not have left the table like that that's kind of strange of dad um i i'd like to go uh kind of quietly knock on their door and kind of like peek open and see if maybe they're just still sleeping so you knock on the door and you don't even have to peek because as you do, it swings open with a slow, eerie creak. You can see 
that there is just stuff that was in there that they were doing like yesterday afternoon like um your mom was probably in the middle of like folding a little bit of laundry and none of that has been put away um there's still even like a couple things like set on the bed that would make you believe nobody has gone into that room mom mom are you in here you yell mom and the only thing that answers you is a hollow echo as panic starts to set in uh i grab my crossbow and i bolt out the door um and they are nowhere to be seen maybe they went to go get supplies or do some research maybe back to evermore i guess i i seems weird that they wouldn't clean up um i'd like to gather some supplies um kind of grab my cloak um I'm not even going to bother cleaning up or anything. I'm just going to grab everything that I would need and start heading towards Evermore. Um, I, I need my need my parents. Yeah, so you start heading towards um, Evermore, and it is a haul. Like, it takes you, because you all moved out there, and you wanted to be as far away as possible. So it probably takes you, like, you're probably still huffing it, and you're a young little fella. Mm-hmm. So, but it still takes you well over a day, maybe even into the two-day mark, before you can even arrive at the gates of Evermore. And as you're approaching, you find that your worst fear has come true, because as you're approaching, the oldest guard in Evermore, a fellow by the name of Nico, who is a heavy-set dwarf who has been a guard for years and years and years and was actually in charge of escorting your family out of Evermore when you were originally had the shopkeeper incident, you see that Nico is standing guard at the Evermore gates. Does he... Does it look like he notices me? Not yet. He's just standing there, like, hanging out. You're just on your way and you notice that he's there. Okay. Um, is he, uh, like guarding the only way in or do I just like see him in like the actual city? He's guarding your only way in from this like, um, standpoint. Cause the way mm-hmm. Evermore is set up, it's like right on the coast mm-hmm. and they are a gated community. So the way they work is they usually have two or three guards up front, mm-hmm. but you can assume that there's probably something going on that. Uh, the other guards have been moved away for right now, so it's just Nico. Okay. Um, I throw my hood up so nobody can kind of see my, like, long braided hair um, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, pull it down over my forehead so you can just kind of I can see under it. Nobody can see my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And I slowly start walking um, towards um, the city, um, hoping that I can just kind of sneak right by. Yeah. So, uh, give me a deception check. Okay. And Nico is going to make a contested insight check. Okay. I got an 18. Nico rolled a natural 20. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So, as you go to walk by, Nico turns to you and gives you a little bit of a friendly nod and goes, Good afternoon. And as you go to walk by him, as luck would have it, Nico goes for a handshake. 
but he's a, he's a little old and he's a little slow on the draw. So when he goes to lift his hand, he actually pushes your hood and he immediately sees your face and you see the look of realization on his face as he just goes, holy shit, it's the Leodore boy. I book it behind, like back towards <laughs> the, uh, I don't even say a thing. I want to run back towards camp. Um, I'm going to cast, like I want to run, but I'm going to cast Minor Illusion as I run. Um, and it says I can create a sound or an image. Um, I just kind of want to okay. make like a like a scream maybe behind Nico that came from like the city to kind of try to maybe distract him while I just run. Yeah, so give me a um, dexterity saving throw with advantage. Uh, good, good start. All right, that's better. So my first one was a five. Uh, second one's a five. 17 plus three, so uh, dirty 20 good news is you would have passed him no matter what because he rolled a natural two so <laughs> that is quite the uh jump to go from a natural mm-hmm. 20 to a two he, he's old man he's wise but he's old he's a real slow <laughs> so you make this noise behind him and nico like spins his head around because he is a very diligent guard that's why he's been doing this for so long and he turns around and sees nothing there and when he turns back he basically just sees your ponytail disappearing into the woods um and you immediately do hear the clunking of heavy footsteps as you hear Nico behind you go, Leodore boy, stop! And he takes off after you, and you are clearly faster than Nico, but eventually you do get to the point where you physically feel like you can't run anymore. I also don't want to lead him to... I mean, I know it took a day to get here, but I don't want to mm-hmm. lead him anywhere near our house. Um, so, you know, so I I think I'd like to try to maybe climb a tree and try to just, like, get out of sight, because clearly I'm not going to just outrun him. Yeah, so you, um, you're, you're breathing heavy, your lungs are on fire, and you climb a tree... And you get up there nice, like you know for a fact you're in a good little hiding spot. And uh, it takes a minute, but eventually Nico comes trotting in and he's looking at your like footprints or whatever, and he's clearly miffed that he's lost your lost your scent, as it is. And he takes his bow out and he starts aiming around a little bit. I so I think about casting a spell on him. Um, mm-hmm. I think about I think about casting burning hands on him, but um, I quickly think against it because um, I haven't really cast you know that deep of a spell. I, I'm not going to purposely just try to kill somebody. Um, so I quickly think against it, and instead I cast a message. Um, Mm -hmm. But not at Nico. I try to just cast a message in general to my mom. Okay. Um, And I said... What's the range on message again? 120 feet. Um, 120 feet? Yep. And um, I guess... Well, so message says I have to point at a creature. Um, So I guess I'm just kind of pointing in all directions. Just kind of in my head crying out to my mom. Um, I say mom i love you if if you're around 
please help me. So you say that, and you're pointing around a little bit, and as you say that, like, through a message, Nico starts, like, pointing his bow dangerously close to the tree that you went into, and he starts to look up and up, and then three things happen. The first thing that happens is there is a loud crashing noise from behind Nico in the woods and Nico whips around with his bow drawn. Um, at the same time, you get a response to your message and oh. it is not your mother's voice. It is a voice that you have again heard frequently and woke you up that night and it simply responds back. Help yourself. And the third thing that happens is that is almost blocked out from a loud cracking noise as the branch that you are on splits in half and snaps. And you come plummeting from the top of that tree directly towards Nico the guard. And the last thing that you remember is him looking up with his bow in hand, looking terrified. And Silas Leodore has died. He died so lonely. <laughs> no, he, so he got a scared response. and lowly. That's he true. Not from somebody that he wanted to. <laughs> you don't know. That. I guess you do know that. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, unless my mom's voice has changed very quickly. <laughs> All right. So from the death of Silas Leodore. We go up, and up, and up, almost hitting the Icelands, to where we find ourselves in the Takari Highlands. The Takari Highlands are beautiful mountains that stretch far and wide, almost from the edge of Omersia on the west side, straight up, almost until the haunted forest that roams right underneath of the Icelands stretching out towards Wakefield. We cut up to these mountains and large, beautiful blackbirds soar through the sky and the sun is shining extra bright this day, which is incredibly beautiful considering that a follower of the sun is currently getting ready to leave the monastery for the first time. And Joe, Mr. Wolf Dawnfire why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about getting ready to leave the monastery? Sure. So essentially what he, what, what he's doing is, you know, he's saying his goodbyes um, and he's gathering up the supplies and then he's going to take a journey. Um, Cause I didn't mention this before, but he's actually the inheritor of a certain forge there, but in order to inherit it, he has to finish his training and and typical monastery fashion the last part of his training isn't specified it's only go out <laughs> get life experience and you'll know when you're ready and that's all he's got so he's packing his things making his final rounds and then he's headed off you make your final rounds and um you eventually get to a man that you only know as um, mentor 
because there there are like certain wiser elders that only go by titles and everybody is not assigned but basically grows into having a mentor so this fellow is not just your mentor but a mentor to many but you two do have a very close relationship and as you approach him he's got his hood pulled up as he always does with the little sun and moon sigil and what what's the name of your monastery again it is the Taiyo Suki Monastery. Okay. So yeah, he's got the the sun and moon logo of the Taiyo Suki Monastery. And he gives you a polite bow. And I'll bow back. You bow back. And then he um, extends a hand and pulls you in for a hug, which is something that you have never received at this monastery because uh, they are very like traditional about their teachings and whatnot and very traditional about emotions that can be shown and things like that. Um, And as he pulls you in for this hug, he just whispers in your ear very slowly. You're a good man, Wolf. You're going to find what you're looking for. And I look forward to seeing you back under the rays of the sun very soon, my friend. Thank you. So, I don't know what quite to say at first, so I'll just sit there in this man's embrace for almost too long. And then I'll... <laughs> I thought you were going to say for almost two minutes, which would indeed be too long. <laughs> no, for, for almost too long. And then I'll just say, thank you. And then I'll kind of I'll back up a little bit, just kind of keep my hands on his shoulders and kind of bow my head. Mentor bows again, and he exits the room. Um, give me a perception check, Joe. Sure. Pardon me, Wolf. Ah, uh, yes. That's a 18. 18? Beautiful. Yep. Um, you actually barely felt his hands graze the front of your robe as he was leaving. Um, mm-hmm. But you didn't think much of it. But now that he's left, you go to move and you actually feel something in your in the pocket of your uh, robe. I, uh, I kind of take notice of where I am and I'll kind of, I'll feel it, but I won't pull it out. Um, I'll wait until I'm somewhere a little bit more secluded before I actually look at it, but I'll kind of, yeah, I'll kind of, I don't know if I need to make a check for it, but I'll kind of, I'll feel it up, I guess, in layman's terms to kind of see if I know what it is. You don't need to make a check. Um, you feel it and it feels just like a, like piece of paper, but you, um, you wait and you get all your stuff stored away. You throw it over your shoulder and you, for the first time, other than to maybe a company, like some trades and stuff like that, you leave the monastery, uh, for good for a while at least, but for good for Wolf and you travel down from the Takari Highlands and you spend the majority of your first day alone just that alone you follow a couple streams and you eventually make your way down towards the area where it starts to become a little bit more deserted you start hitting like some um, dry desert areas and stuff like that and you know that you are heading in the direction of an area known as hog's feet which is um hog's feet is kind of the outcasts slash like um, outlanders area 
where all of the quote unquote like aggressive races after losing a war were um, pushed into. So you have a lot of like orcs and warlords and like ogres, trolls and goblins. Um, and you're you're just following the sun in that direction. But it is uh, nightfall and you have gotten to a secluded area if you wanted to um, chill out and check out that paper. Yes, that's exactly what I'll do. So he'll make camp for the night. Just a very simple make I don't know, make a fire from just the nearby sticks and just, uh, you know, kind of lay out his bedroll and just pull out that piece of paper. Yeah, so you pull it out and it's actually very simple. Um, it is a flyer and you actually open it like backwards because of the way that it's folded. And on the back, it simply just says, good luck, wolf. Um, and on the front of it is actually a flyer for the... Uh, mountains of Wakefield. It's almost like a like come to California flyer where it's just like a couple big buff orcs and they have some massive uh, mountains behind them and in bold text it says um, like the massive mountains of Wakefield and you put together that your mentor uh, maybe slightly disconnected from what he had but knew that you liked to forge and knew that you were going out on an adventure and tried to give you one last thing that could help you on the way. I much appreciate this. So I think what I'll end up doing is end up switching my route if I know where it is. Only one way to find yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. Um, you actually, you, as you're like reading that, you actually start to hear like screams and battles coming from like the far, far distance. And you kind of start questioning what you were doing originally because Hogsfeet is not a very pleasant place to be. And um, you do know roughly which way to go. So are you going to spend the night here? Are you going to spend the night like walking? Like, I will spend the night here. He's okay. not very accustomed to adventuring out and about. So as long as there are no imminent signs of danger, he'll take, he'll take a small rest. There are no imminent signs of danger, but you go to bed and... You wake up pretty early to the sound of what sounds almost like metal scraping against rock. And you can't quite place the direction that it came from, but that is what wakes you up from your slumber. So I'll get up immediately and just take note of my surroundings and just see if, if nothing else identify the direction the uh, sound's coming from. Definitely. Give me a perception check. 23. Oh, beautiful. So you can not only tell that the sound is coming from the direction that uh, Hog's feet was, so the opposite direction of where you want to go, but you can tell that it was getting fairly close to you, and it almost... Um, you get trained in a lot of different things at the monastery but one of the big things is you get trained on people uh, trying to sneak up on you and it sounds like they're still quite a ways away but it sounds like someone or something is trying not to be noticed and maybe this uh, scraping was a like fatal accident for them yep so 
at that point, I'll gather up my bedroll, I'll put out the fire, and I'll bury it in whatever dirt is around. Um, And I'll just... I guess with... What kind of... This might be a weird question, but what kind of soil is that? Uh, What kind (laughs) of soil do you want it to be? (laughs) I'm going to just write a message that says, stop following me. In the, like oh, if it's yeah. soft dirt, then I can. That's what I want to do. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's perfectly soft. Okay, so I'm just gonna write a message, and uh, then I'll be on my way. Beautiful. So you start heading in the direction that uh, you know Wakefield to be, um, and again, this is a long trek, but you eventually start getting closer and closer. Um, but it's to the point where you start, you know that you're getting close, mm-hmm. um, but occasionally you do still hear like some noises in the far, far distance. But it sounds like whatever noise you're hearing is getting lost behind you. And you get to a point where you are just like utterly exhausted. You've walked a very long way and up ahead of you, you see a huge uh, cropping pretty much and it is full of dead trees with like a fog that goes around it and there is some like crows that kind of take off as you get closer to this area so what I'm going to do is honestly I think you're just going to find a tree that's kind of nestled in some shade just kind of mm-hmm. lean up against it, honestly. Because if he's so tired, he's not. He kind of nestles up against it. Um, there's not really much he can do at this point mm-hmm. because Wolf hears this thing following him, but he's just exhausted. And as you lay against the tree, you start to realize that he feels almost unnaturally exhausted to the point where as you lay there you try to wiggle your toes and you only do it for a moment uh, before you can't anymore and you try to uh, wiggle your fingers and you get the same sensation and as you think in your mind that this is unnatural and that something has happened you try to get up and you are unable to move your body and your eyes are getting heavier and heavier and as they slowly start to close you hear one last noise not from the area of whatever was following you but from the forest in front of you and you don't hear much of what it is or any specifics but you know for a fact it is a voice and it is a voice that has just called out your name and then you close your eyes and wolf does not reopen his eyes as wolf donfire has died and that's the end of the campaign (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening guys honestly it was killer i hope people don't think it's too railroady i hope i didn't take too much of the uh decisions out of your hands honestly that's about how i pictured my character fully yeah the final battle was my favorite part of the campaign 
yeah, you guys all had really good story arcs. I feel like Wolf got um, a little shafted, but <laughs> I got I got defeated by a branch, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it would have been. I mean, it would have been nice to know where my parents went, but I'm honestly, it's not a big deal. It, it, I'm fine with ending it here. I died on life, a good note. Life doesn't actually have happy endings, Jim. Like this, this is this is as true to life as you waking up every day. And let that be a lesson to us. Yeah. All right. All right, and we're going to end this first part here. Um, I just wanted to hop in here at the end just to put in a couple of quick notes um, and some credits. But as you can see by the title, Chapter 1 has been broken into two parts to keep from posting over two hours for the first episode. We recorded this as one session but ended up splitting it into two parts due to timing and not wanting to rush anything. This here is the end of Chapter 1, Part 1, so please be sure to check out Chapter 1, Part 2, and we will find out where exactly our unfortunate heroes have gone after their untimely demises. Uh, as far as credits here go, thank you so much to Zach, Jim, Joe. They are, again, some of my best friends in the entire world. I love them to death, and I had so much fun doing this, so thank you guys. All of the editing was done by me. Again, I don't have any formal training in any of this, so I do apologize for any of the background noise that I couldn't edit out, or if there were any like awkward transitions or anything like that, but we're doing our best. Send me those helpful tips. Let me know what we can do to make this better because we want to make this as good as possible. All the sounds that you heard, the background musics and the sound effects and things like that are all from free to use sites um, and I will link all those in the bio if you want to check them out. But the one thing that I do want to make sure that I include that didn't come from a free to use site or a royalty free website is our theme song at the beginning of the episode. Our theme song was actually created by a man named Esteban, or I am underscore wake on Fiverr, and I absolutely adore it. I just want to give a shout out to Esteban. It's absolutely amazing. If anybody needs anything music-wise, he is amazing to work with. He was so great and just very responsive to everything that I wanted. We spent probably a good two days going back and forth about the feel and the tone and just sending back and forth different audio clips to each other of things that we liked, things that I liked, things that he liked. And the entire thing was just incredible. I can't recommend him enough. If anybody needs anything, please check him out on Fiverr. Again, his name is Esteban, but his screen name on there is the letter I-A-M underscore wake. Uh, but yeah, that's everything that we have for you for part one. Make sure you tune in for part two. And we will see you next time on Behold the Roll.